Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year to you. Trust you had a decent holiday season. Obviously, much different this year, but I uh, hope you're doing well and you're being safe. Uh, welcome to Union Chapel this morning on this uh, January the 3rd, first day of the year. So glad that you're with us. Let me just uh, mention a couple of things. One is our intention to be on campus with our worship services on Sunday beginning next week, January the 10th. A week from now, we're going to be back on camp, campus for our three morning worship services, 8.30, 10 o'clock, 11.30. So I invite you to come. Of course, we're going to continue to monitor uh, all of the, uh, the, the COVID effect in our own community, trying to be careful uh, not to be part of the problem, but be part of the solution. And I, I know you appreciate our sensitivity to that. But the schools are opening this coming week, and that's a sign to us and... Uh, so we're monitoring everything carefully, and anything could change, but as of today, we will be on campus next week on January the 10th, so pass the word, and of course, we'll be following all the guidelines. Our building, our facilities here are large enough that we can distance appropriately, follow the guidelines, and everybody should be safe and well. Uh, we've been on campus for weeks and weeks uh, during the pandemic. We haven't had any major problems that we're aware of. And so we're confident that we can maintain uh, safety uh, on campus here. And so we'll begin next week, the 10th, all three of our Sunday morning services. Let me also give you an update on the Christmas offering. As you know, this is the one special offering that we take every year. And I wanted to say thank you for your response to the Christmas offering this year. The circumstances are so unusual. Uh, so I wanted to give you an update. As you know, we are investing this offering in the Blood and Fire Christmas Store, Children's Bibles, as well as Recovery Ministry. The big piece of that is a partnership that we formed with Urban Light Community Church here in Muncie. And we are in the process, right now, in the process of purchasing a home. We're gonna renovate that house, staff that house, and we trust uh, by sometime before the end of the year 2021, we are going to have a recovery home for men and addiction recovery here in Muncie, Delaware County. And we are a central part of that, very excited about it. So thank you for your generosity. Now you should, just to get perspective, last year uh, we had an historic response to the Christmas offering, of course, more of a normal kind of setting, but our Christmas offering last year was so over $100,000. $100, and just, just so, so that, that you have perspective, this year so far, the Christmas offering is just over $55,000. Which, which is phenomenal, that's, that's it's, it's impressive, it's great. Just to get perspective on that, we've made a huge partnership investment in this recovery home, so we appreciate that. So if you haven't turned in your Christmas offering, I hope that you'll do that sometime in the next week or two. Thanks so much. Well, I thought we'd kick off the year by talking about faith. A confident faith. I don't know about you, but my faith, my faith has been tested. My faith has been challenged over this last year. And maybe your faith has even gotten really wobbly. You're not even sure about it anymore. And so what I want to do is bolster our faith today. And I hope that if I can do that, that will be a benefit to all of us. Of course, historically, traditionally, we talk about stewardship, the stewardship of our lives during the month of January, and we will... We will eventually get to that kind of theme and even in this message a bit. But I want to make sure that we 
begin this year on the, on the firm foundation of a meaningful, confident faith. Chosen as our text today from the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. This is Solomon writing to us, and in chapter 11, I'm going to read the first six verses for us, and this is about investment uh, in many ventures. In spite of the circumstances of the world around us, to continue to live your life, invest your life in hopeful, faithful ways. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. Ship your grain across the sea, and after many days you may receive a return. Some of the translations say, cast your bread on the waters, and after many days it will return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, and the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. In other words, if you let the circumstances all around you distract you, you'll not invest in the things that matter most. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, who is the maker of all things. God's at work no matter what. So sow your seed in the morning, and at the evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. May God give us wisdom through this important word. Thanks so much. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, sure, so many of you are familiar with this apocryphal story of a man who slid over the cliff only to grab the last branch, and there he was on the precipice overhanging this, this huge chasm, and now he is in trouble, and he begins to scream, help, somebody, please help me, and he's dangling there on this precipice, and suddenly a voice from the sky comes into his comes into his hearing, and the voice says, do you believe I can help you? The man says, yes, yes, I believe, please, please help me. Then the voice says, do you believe I have the power to help you? The man said, yes, I believe you have the power to help me, please help me. The man's, you know, losing his grip. The voice again says, do you believe I love you enough to help you? Yes. Yes, I believe, I believe you love me. Now please help me. And then finally, the voice says, well, because you believe in me and you believe I have the power to help you and you believe that I love you enough to help you, I will help you. All right, let go of the branch. The man, still panicky, shouts out again, is there anyone else up there? And of course, you've all heard this story. It's hilarious. It's funny. But it does speak to us about the times in which we live. We're just hanging on. A lot of us just barely hanging on. These are times that are uncertain. Uh, so much anxiety, so much confusion, so, so much fear, so much, so much grief. And we're all living into that. And again, just to say what a wonderful opportunity this is to reaffirm our faith in God, to reconsider our faith. Today, I want to talk about a confident 
faith, a confident faith. I have three simple points, but I hope that it will help shore up and stabilize and increase your faith. Now, here's the first thing. It's on your outline, and that is the principle of faith, the principle of it. Hebrews chapter 11 uh, both describes faith and also illustrates faith. In verse 6, it says very simply, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, tune into that just for a moment. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So there is a foundation. So if you're going to do this faith thing, God says, listen, don't be casual about your faith. Don't don't play around with your faith. Don't see it as some uh, marginal issue in your life. If you're going to do the faith thing, you've got to go all in. If you believe that he exists, God exists, and that he rewards those who diligently seek him, then we ought to rest our whole lives in him, trusting him completely by faith. If you hesitate to give him all of your life by faith, then what happens to us is that we begin to forfeit most of the benefits of walking with God. If, if you're not living by faith and trusting God completely, then you, you forfeit an open heaven. God said, I'd open the windows of heaven and bless you. You forfeit that without a meaningful faith. You forfeit the miracles in your life. You forfeit breakthroughs in your life. You forfeit God's best plan. Why is that? Because it's impossible, impossible to please God without it. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So it's not small. It's not ancillary. Faith is not academic. It's not subsidiary to your walk with God. It is central and primary as a means of the activation of God's work in your life. Now, verse 1 of Hebrews 11 actually gives us the definition of faith. And so here it is. Uh, if, we, if we can't please God without it, we should understand what it is. Now, let me put this on the screen for you. It says, now faith is being sure. That is the assurance of what we hope for and certain of or the conviction of what we do not see. Now, let's talk about that a minute. Faith is, faith is the gateway then between the visible world, the world in which we live right now, this three-dimensional world that we're in. We experience it with our five senses of our physical bodies. And so this is the visible, natural world. Faith is the gateway then between the visible world and the invisible world. It accepts as good as done what God has said, put it another way, it stakes its existence on the purpose and the person of God. Let me say it another way. Faith functions in the present based on what God has said about the future. It, it, is, it is the assurance of, it is the substance. Faith, faith actually, while it is, it is connecting with the unseen, the invisible, the spiritual world, it is substantial. That is, there's stuff about it. There's raw material. And that is, that is the substance of the thing you hope for. The, the dream 
that you have, the desire that you have, the anticipation you have. It's the evidence of things that you've not yet seen. This is faith. It is believing in the physical world for things that you have not yet seen, you've not yet held in your hands. This is faith. Now, here's the challenge of faith. You already know what the big challenge is. It's not that the thing you're hoping for doesn't exist because the thing that you pray for, the thing that you hope for, the thing you anticipate by faith in the, in the, in the purpose and plans of God are actually real. It's the substance of things hoped for. So it's not, it's not that the things that you, you need and believe God for don't exist. They exist, sure enough. The problem is you can't see it. Can't see it. It's the, the, it's the things you hope for, the things you've not yet seen. So even though it exists, the thing you need, the thing that God wants to give you, the thing that God wants to bless you with, the breakthrough, the, the miracle that God has for you, while it exists, sure enough, it is real as it can be. It is real as real. The problem, the challenge of faith is we can't see it yet. Can't hold it yet. Can't experience it yet. It's, it hasn't come into our natural experience and, and time and space. So it's yet to be seen, but this is faith. So faith is the thing that reaches from the seen world and grabs the unseen world and pulls it back home. That's faith. Faith is the stuff that takes what is anticipated, that is hoped for, and makes it real in history. So that which is in the spiritual realm, needed in the natural realm, can be snatched out of eternity and brought into time. That's faith. The assurance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen, not yet felt. Um, some of you are uh, big Star Trek fans. And the younger you are, you know, these, these later generations of Star Trek have emerged and they're kind of fun. I am an original Trekkie. I watched the original series on TV. This was Captain Kirk, you know, and Spock and Bones and McCoy and all these, all these guys. And they had these gadgets, which were fascinating to me. You know, they had a little communicator that they could talk wirelessly, long distance, you know. Um, they had their phasers, you know, that they could use to protect themselves. My favorite gadget that they had was called a transporter. Remember this thing? And the transporter would actually change the molecular structure. You, got, you stood on this little cir circular pad and this uh, machine was over the top of you and they would, enter, they, would, they would activate this thing and it would change the mo molecular structure of a person or an object and they could transport through space and time and reassemble it at some point that they pinpointed down on another planet or something like that. It was amazing. And, you know, the famous line that Captain Kirk would always use, you know, beam me up, Scotty. He'd use a little communicator. Beam me up, Scotty. I wonder how many of you have been in a committee meeting at some point, somewhere along the line, and the thought occurred to you, I wish I had one of those Star Trek communicators because I could just flip that open right now and say, beam me up, Scotty. There's no intelligent life down here. I need, I need out of this meeting. <laughs> yeah, that, would be, that would be fantastic. But... What was that machine that could change the molecular structure of people and objects and transport them through space and time? Here's the, here's the illustration. I think the key there was that you had to be under the transporter. And so in this application, faith is the transporter. 
Faith is like that. While you're standing in one place in time and space, you can be translated to another time and space. This is faith, by faith. The things that I have assurance for, the things I long for, the things I hope for, the substance of things that I need right now and the here and now, which I don't have in my hand, I am trusting God, I am believing God, I am living by faith that God will provide that thing because it exists, sure enough. And God now is gonna manifest it in my natural world by faith. Now, I'm not a casual observer to this dynamic. Uh, I've been walking with God almost for 50 years now. I've served this local church for 40 years. And, and I've had people say to me, for example, uh, Union Chapel will never be able to afford its own pastor full-time. When Beth and I started pastoring Union Chapel, there were two churches partnered together, circuited together, and those two churches had to share their resources just to pay a modest salary for, for me and my family. And so when we decided Union Chapel would go off by itself without the association of the other church, the word then was Union Chapel will never be able to pay its own pastor full time. Really? Really? Or Union Chapel will never be able to make a church work operating out of a local school. Well, we met in a local school for four and a half years. And we made that work very well. And, and you'll never be able to transform a used car lot and develop it into a church campus. That'll never happen, okay? By faith, by faith, we've seen that happen. And then, and then someone came by one day when, when the old sanctuary was under construction and said, you'll never be able to fill this sanctuary with people, not in Muncie, never be able to do it. Oh, really? By faith, by faith you can. You'll never be able to reach teenagers in this community. Well, by faith, we have, and we will. You, you know, there haven't been any Christians in Central Asia since the Middle Ages, and even then there's just a handful of believers, and they, and they didn't survive it. And so what makes you think that you can establish the church in Central Asia when no one else in history has been able to do it? Well, by faith, we've done it. And we're doing it by faith, by faith. We're accomplishing things historic in this community and other parts of the world. If someone had told me 40 years ago that, that God wanted Union Chapel to be a lighthouse, not just out in a little cornfield community, but a lighthouse in the whole area, the whole region of the state of Indiana and other parts of the world, it would be easy to say, well, that's not even possible. That can't be done. That's, that's silly. That's ridiculous. That's almost ludicrous. You can't do that. If, so, if someone had said to you 40 years ago, that little cornfield church, that church's worship services will have over 70,000 people from Muncie, Delaware County attend that church over the next 40 years, what would you say? <laughs> you would say, that's crazy. That's not possible. But by faith... By faith, it's the assurance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Now, what do you need in your life? What is the thing lacking that you know is central to God's will and plan for you that you haven't seen, that you haven't held, that you haven't realized? What is it? By faith. See, if you've already seen it, if you already have it, then you don't need any faith. You don't need to trust God for it. 
If you're a Christian listening to the sound of my voice, you know how this happened. You reached back 2,000 years ago to a man you have never seen with your eyes. You've never physically put your eyes on Jesus Christ. And you believed a series of facts you did not witness. We now rehearse those series of facts uh, in the creeds, the ancient historic creeds in the church. The Apostles' Creed is this amazing statement that reminds us of our Trinitarian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in an Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth. And I believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, and on the third day rose from the dead. And later in the creed, it says, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so we have this affirmation of faith. And so we ask the question, is Jesus real? We say, yes. And are his claims true? We say, yes. Are his promises sure? We say, yes. Is his word reliable? Yes. Is salvation free? Yes. Was Jesus raised from the dead? Yes. Is Jesus coming again? Yes. Is heaven real? We say, yes. And then we ask the question, well, how do we know? And the answer is, by faith. By faith. The assurance of things we've not laid eyes on ourselves, but one day we will realize completely. That's faith. You didn't see Jesus alive. You didn't see him walking the earth. You didn't see him teaching and performing miracles. You didn't see him put to death, a cruel death on a cross. And you didn't see him three days later rise from the dead and ascend to heaven, preparing a place for you and me in eternity, but we believe it. And why do we believe it? By faith. By faith, we believe these things. There's an old-timey Christian folk song called Pass It On. The first phrase of that, that song is, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. Remember that? See, the reason it's impossible to please God without faith is because this is God's highest expectation of us. This is the highest expectation that God has of you and me in our relationship with him, that we would trust him, that we would have faith in him. That's why he says it's impossible to please me without it. You cannot please God. It's not possible without faith. And so here's what the point I want to make. That whole concept is based not on our ability to muster up some spark of belief, but rather it is based on the greatness and grandness of Almighty God. Now stop and hear that. It is right, it is reasonable, it is prudent to place your faith in God. It is wise to place your faith in God. Romans chapter one, verse 17 simply says, the just shall live by faith, by faith not only for our salvation, but as a way of life. We choose faith. Now, if you haven't been able to follow all of this, let me just summarize with this statement. Let me put it on the screen for you. It's very simple. Here's the principle of faith. The tangible means of reaching into the unseen and bringing it into the seen. Visible world. That's the principle of faith. Now, let's move to the second point that I want to make, which is the power of faith. We, we've defined faith. We, we understand what it means. Now, let's consider how powerful it is. 
In Mark chapter 11, Jesus had some very amazing things to say. Verses 22 and following. Jesus said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Important first statement. He said, I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and, it, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That's powerful, isn't it? That's amazing. And then this caveat, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may also forgive your sins. Now, this statement from Mark 11 has generated all kinds of consideration over the years, and there's been no small amount of confusion around it. Here's the problem. Jesus said, if you believe, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, and if you don't doubt in your heart, God will do it. And, and so we somehow now lose our way <laughs> thinking about faith in these terms. Because when faith becomes the focal point of our spiritual lives, then there is a possibility of the distortion of faith in our faith. So we have lots of people who have taught over the years that you gotta build your faith, inspire your faith, uh, exercise your faith, build your faith, make it stronger. And if you have strong enough faith and you don't doubt, then God can do great things. But the problem is that becomes just another idol, another competitor in our affections that we should be giving to God and God alone. So let me just say, and your pastor is gonna help you right here, this isn't about how great your faith is. It is not. This is about what Jesus said when he said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. John 17, 20, Jesus said that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Well, there it is again, this mountain-moving kind of faith. But you don't have to apply great human effort in an attempt to get your faith all worked up and powered up and muscled up. That's not what Jesus is suggesting. Jesus was on the Mount of Olives when he made the statement in Mark 11, if you, if you have faith, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed. He's standing on the Mount of Olives. Does that mean that he wanted us to try to remove the Mount of Olives? No, no. Zechariah 4, 7 gives us perspective. It says that mountains in the Bible refer to obstacles or immovable issues of life. So Jesus isn't talking about moving a literal mountain. He's talking about removing those obstacles and barriers in your life that keep you from God's best plan. And that requires faith. So you've discovered with me, we rarely call on God to help us when things are going okay and when we can do things for ourselves, the times when we call on God are the times when we can't do things for ourselves and we don't know what to do next. You know, there's a lot you can say that's horrible and negative and depressing about 2020 and all the things that have happened to us socially and culturally and politically and spiritually and medically and, and the whole list of things that have happened to us. And we can say, this, this is a bad time, but there's one thing you can say about 2020. It's improved the prayer lives of many, many people. Because you pray better when you're desperate. And people have been praying and sincerely reaching out to God and asking important questions. God, what is going on? Why is this happening? What does it mean? 
And, and so people have been praying. And so we rarely call on God effectively when things are going well or it's when something we can manage ourselves. But when it's something completely out of our control, man, we start calling on God because we know that by ourselves we can't manage. We're going to need divine help. And so we pray. <laughs> Let me just put this statement on the screen. The power of faith is not your ability to have faith, but in the power of God to move mountains. That's it. So, for, for example, if you say to me, Pastor, I've always had this dream. I'm going to take my 12-foot rowboat, and I'm going I'm to row that thing across the Pacific Ocean. Here's what I would say to you. What do you want to have said at your memorial service? Because you're not going to make it. If, on the other hand, you say to me, Pastor, I've been given this most wonderful opportunity to cross the Pacific Ocean aboard the aircraft carrier, the USS Ronald Reagan. Here's what I would say to you. Cool. That is a cool opportunity. Good for you. You're going to make it all the way across on that boat. That's going to work. That's going to do it. So let me put this statement on the screen. I want to drive this point home. When we don't have enough faith... It is always because we don't have a big enough God. That's it. Hear that. You don't need a lot of faith. In fact, all you need is a spark, a mustard seed worth of faith in a great big God. Great big God. That's where it comes from. Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of God. So you feed your faith by growing your God. People have accused me of having great faith, bold faith in my life. And I, I've spent a whole, my whole life doing bold things for Jesus' sake. And we're doing it again right now. We're going to build, this, we're gonna build this, this house, this home for men in recovery. And it's not a little thing. It's a big thing. It's a hard thing. If it was easy to do, it had already been done. But it doesn't exist. It's like a missing link in the chain of recovery for people in Delaware County. And so we're doing it, not because it's easy, but because we have a big God. That's how it works. I, people say, you have such great faith. Listen, I don't have any more faith than anybody else does. My faith has been wobbled and wavered and, and, and challenged this past year just like everyone else's. Wonder what in the world is going on? Why is this happening? What does it mean? These are questions that I've had just like you have. But in the meantime, I happen to know that the God we serve is a big God. He's a capable God. He is a limitless God. And if he asks us to do something, he will give the provision to do it. That's faith in a big God. That's what it takes. James 1.17 says, don't be double-minded. Wanting God and the world at the same time, God's will and your own will at the same time, that man will receive nothing from the Lord. Romans 3, 4 says, let God be true and every man a liar. So the circumstances of the world, all, all of the, the obfuscation, confusion, fear, and uncertainty of the world in which we live is just the circumstances. It doesn't change, it doesn't change the grandness of God, the goodness of God, the, the greatness of God. It doesn't change it at all. He can still be trusted he can still be relied on. And the things that he has promised, they will come to pass. Praise God. So let me summarize the power of our faith. Let me put it on the screen for you. The power of faith is the greatness of God. 
It's the greatness of God. I'm helping somebody right now, I know. This is helping you, isn't it? It's helping me. I'm encouraged by that. Let me just uh, add this last point. Now, I know some of you are disappointed this is the last point. You'd like to be six or eight more points because this is so good. I mean, this is helping. But let me just give you one more we'll be finished for today. And that is the priority of faith. Or we could have used the word the practice of faith. In Luke 16, 11, it says, So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Now, this is a, this is a question that's very important to consider. If you've not been trustworthy with handling the stuff that you can see in the world, how should God or why should God trust you with the things that you haven't seen from his world? That's a good question. Verse 12 says, and if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? In other words, if you can't be trustworthy with the things that God has put in your disposal, time, talent, treasure, if you can't be trustworthy with that, why should God give you anything else, any more of those items? Now, let me just talk about money for a moment because that's time, talent, treasure. It's part of the scenario. It's part of the equation. Money, let me just remind you, is a means to an end. It is a means of exchange. That's all it is. Having said that, anything you can purchase with money will not last. It's temporary. It's natural. It's of this world. This world is temporary. You do understand that. The world in which we live is not permanent. This is temporary. All of this. All of the world that we see now in this three-dimensional reality, perceived with our five senses, it's all temporary. It, it will pass away. And so anything in this tangible material world is temporary. For example, therefore, money can't buy you certain things, can't buy you happiness. Money can't buy you health. Money, money can't buy you a law-abiding, self-respecting, God-loving children. Can't do it. Money can't buy you a good marriage. Money can't buy you eternal life. Not even close. So in verse 11 of Luke 16, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So God's saying, if I can't trust you with the things that can't really give you anything of real value, money then, how, how can I trust you with the real things of true value in the world? Things that are spiritual, things that are relational, things that are eternal. How could God entrust you with eternal things, true riches, really valuable things? Let me put this statement on the screen. I want to bring this home. God is saying, if I can't trust you to steward the time, talents, and treasure I place in your hands, then don't expect me to bless you with the things that really are truly valuable, true riches. Here's what I've discovered over the years. As I mentioned, I've walked with God about 50 years now. I have discovered that God tends to bless people he can trust. <laughs> God tends to bless people he can trust. Now, occasionally, God will bless people, and I don't know why. But for the most part, I've observed that God tends to bless people he can trust. So if he can't trust you with simple little things like money or your time or your talent, if you're not going to 
exercise those things that you have as tangible realities in your natural world in a faith-filled way, then why, why would you think God's going to give you anything more? Too many times people miss God's best plan when they say, God, if you'll just give me a little bit more, if you'll give me a little bit more time, uh, maybe, if you, you know, I'm, I'm a one-talent guy. If you'd have just given me five talents, I would have been more generous. Or I only have a little bit of money, and what I have, you know, seems to be drying up these days. And so I just don't, if you would give me more, then I would give. I would be more generous with my life. I, I would better steward what you've given me. God says, that's not the way it works. You give, demonstrate your trustworthiness, and I will give you more. That's how it works. That's how it works. As I mentioned, if someone said to me 40 years ago that you will personally preach to 70,000 people in this community, face-to-face, face-to-face, and offer Christ to 70,000 people in this community 40 years ago, and I'm sitting out in the middle of a cornfield with 60 people who haven't seen any more than that for 100 years, then you, you would have to say something's wrong with you. That's not going to happen. That's not possible. That can't be done. You can't get there from here. But here's what our, our scripture today says, Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, you cast your bread on the waters for after many days it will find you. You, can, you start where you are you, and you become a generous steward, a trustworthy, faith-filled steward of the possessions God has given you right now. And if you are found trustworthy, God will give you more. God saw that I was trustworthy with 60 people, so he gave me more. And for 40 consecutive years now, we've reached more people than we did the year before. At Union Chapel and all of the extension sites and all of the churches we've planted, and it continues to grow. We reach more people today, this weekend, than we have in any weekend in, in the history of our church. Why is that? Because if you're trustworthy with the things that God gives you, he will give you more. That's how it works. That's it. So God says, do you believe that if you make an investment, that it will come back to you? Do you believe that God is faithful, that he is trustworthy, that he is reliable, that he is honest enough to fulfill his promise to return to you? If you cast your bread up on the water, that it will turn to you after many days? Do you believe that God is reliable? The promise is you will find it after many days. So let me summarize this third point, the practice, the priority of faith. Put it on the screen for you. I want you to get it. Here's the priority. If you give to God what is rightfully his and use the rest properly, then he is free to trust you with more. There it is. You remember the golden rule? Everybody knows the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. That's the golden rule. Now, have you ever heard the golden rule of stewardship? Here's the golden rule of stewardship. Do unto God as you would have God do unto you. Do unto God as you would have God do unto you. Now, let me ask you a question. Between the golden rule and the golden rule of stewardship, which has the highest likelihood of succeeding, of getting the right response? Do unto others, other people, as you would have other people do unto you, or do unto God 
as you would have God do unto you. Now, let me ask you, who's more reliable, people or God? Let me just, let me just say that if you practice the golden rule of stewardship, and I would recommend you practice both of the rules because that's a good thing, but there's a much, much, much higher likelihood that the golden rule of stewardship is going to actually work for you more consistently than the other because people are so fickle and unpredictable and God is totally and utterly reliable and consistent and predictable. God is a faithful God and he can be trusted. Place your trust in him. Well, I wanna encourage your faith today. We've talked about the principle of faith. It is reaching from the seen world into the unseen world by faith. It's the substance of things hoped for and actually pulling it into the natural world. That's faith. It's an amazing thing. The power of faith is not in my ability to conjure up some unique boldness, but the power of faith is manifest in the greatness of God. We serve a big God. He's so great. He's so amazing. And he can be trusted. You can trust him right now in your life, friend. Yes, you can. You may be in the most uncertain time of your life. You may be more vulnerable today than you've ever been. You may be in a situation where you're not even sure you can get out. You don't know what's going to happen. But here's what I know. Our God is an awesome God and he can be trusted. Place your faith in him. You will never be disappointed. Trust him, and he'll see you through. Praise God. And finally, you can practice this faith in the simplest ways, in the smallest ways, expecting God. If you cast your bread on the water, you trust God that more will come, that the blessing will follow, that God's provision, God's protection, God's favor will find you. So be encouraged today in your faith. And as we start this new year, let's hear it together. The best is yet to come. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your amazing faithfulness and goodness. We are so great that you would encourage us today in our faith because, Lord, we confess we, we are weak. <laughs> we are easily discouraged. We are easily knocked off the track, off the course. It is so easy for us to wobble and wonder. And so, Lord, today, as we begin this new year together, we refocus our faith, our confidence, and our hope in you. God, we, we know that this year, there are things that we do not yet have in our possession. We have not yet seen with our natural eyes that exist sure, sure as the world. And before the end of this year, we're gonna see that breakthrough we're going to see that miracle. We're going to see that provision. We're going, to, we're going to see it happen in relationships, in business, in finances, in education, in every activity that your people put their hands to. God, we are going to see your provision because of your greatness. Lord, help us to rely on you, not on ourselves. It's not about our faith. It's about how big you are. And so help us to see you, to grow our trust in you this way. And God, give us the grace we need to give to you what is rightfully yours so that we can trust you for more. Day by day, step by step, we surrender our lives afresh into your care. Thank you for this amazing love.
these amazing promises and your great faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.